Well, good day to you. Good to be with you. Uh, I want to jump into a story. I want you to all imagine that you have gone to the grocery store. All right, so you go to the grocery store and you witness this individual trying to check out. You can tell they just kind of have the bare necessities of what they need for their family and they're trying to check out and they give them a card and the card is rejected. It says decline, insufficient, right? Can't do it, can't move forward, so they can't do anything. They're looking around and they're like, they don't have any cash on them, of course, because cash, nobody has cash anymore. Um, and then they look at the fact that they're like, they just tell them, like, well, we can't write you a check because we don't have any money in the checking account, so we don't really know what to do. And so then all of a sudden, they're there with their groceries. Have you ever been there before? Like, even if you just forget your wallet, like that awkwardness of going, like you, you it's, I mean, you don't get that many groceries, few hundred dollars worth, two grocery carts, and then you get there and you're like, even if you just leave it in the car, and you're like, I am so sorry, and you're the guy who has to run back. Anybody done this recently, like me? Okay, awesome. All right. So, but you you see this family and they're trying to get the groceries and they're they they can't pay for it. Like, you know that they can't pay it. So somebody then walks up, and they've got a card in their hand. They just say, here, I got it. Swipe, done. And then they run after the person who just did that, and they're like, what, what do we need to do? We can pay you back. That's so good. Thank you. So No, 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 no. It doesn't. It's good. And then they just leave. They walk away. It's done. You ever witnessed that before? I've witnessed that before. That's what happened with Jesus. Like, there's no, hey, I'll pay you back. Jesus did something for us that we could not do for ourselves, and so he just said, it's done, it's finished, I got this. You don't have enough in your bank account. You don't have enough credit to be able to charge it. You certainly don't have enough cash on you, and so somebody steps in and says, I got you. That's what Hebrews 9 is all about. So I'm going to invite you to go ahead and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to look at this today, Hebrews chapter 9, 15 through 28, and what we're going to see very, very clearly is what Christ has done for us. So if you would, go ahead and get ready, stand up for the reading of the Word of God. I'm only going to read 15 through 22 right now. Why? Because we, today we have the attention span of a, a cashew. So I'm not wrong. Um, and so as a result of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read 15 through 22. Hopefully we can remember a little, a little bit of that, and then I'll walk through the remainder of the passage later on. So, who's ready for the Word of God? Oh, I so hope you recognize the beauty and the power in the Word of God. This is where it begins, Hebrews chapter 9. Therefore, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Say, new covenant. So that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Continues on, for when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the 
that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is the word of God. You may be seated. When we start looking at this, it lets us know. And if I'm going to go back and I'm going to read for you verse, uh, this, this first verse so that you can understand. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant. So for somebody to be a mediator, he has come and he is making an arrangement. Imagine two parties not doing very well, right? It can be husband and wife. It doesn't matter what it is. You've got two parties not doing very well. And then you have a mediator come and that mediator makes arrangements that are acceptable for both parties. So Jesus steps in as the mediator and he makes arrangements that nobody else could arrange, Nobody else could do what Jesus Christ was about to do. You need to get this, okay? So my goal is very simple today. My goal is that when you walk out of this place, somebody walks up and you're like, hey, what'd you do today? And you're like, oh, I went to church. And they're like, really? What was it about? And you said, it's the Old and the New Covenant. And that you can very clearly explain it because the majority of us claim to know the Old versus the New Covenant, but very few people actually understand it. Otherwise, we would be able to explain it better. So here's a mediator who is, an arra- who is arranging a relationship between us and the Heavenly Father that nobody else can do. So that's what's happening. There's a mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So Jesus Christ stepped in. There has to be a blood punishment a blood covering a blood payment for the sin in our lives it starts with the old covenant they had to pay a blood covenant but we know that even the priest who would go in every year on the day of atonement right once a year this is from last week if you weren't here they would step in and say here's the blood atonement and pay for it again and again and again and again and it just wasn't working it wasn't taking and so all of a sudden jesus christ He made an arrangement with the Heavenly Father from the very beginning. He knew he would do this from the very beginning of time. And so he stepped in to make an arrangement for us that nobody else, nothing else could actually do. That was why we have Old Testament and New Testament. Old agreement, old covenant versus new agreement, new covenant. That's a good way to think about it. And so here comes Jesus stepping into the picture to be able to help us with this. And the death of Jesus allows for a new arrangement with God. That's a very simple way to do it or to think about it. uh, Jesus Christ and the death of Jesus allows for a new arrangement with God. That's what it's doing for us. And only he was qualified to do this, to make this new arrangement, because of one in Hebrews chapter 2, 14 through 18, it speaks about his incarnation. That's important. He is God, right? So it speaks about his incarnation in Hebrews chapter 5 which we also look at in the fall because we've just been walking through the book of Hebrews it speaks about him as the high priest now remember this is referring to the old covenant old covenant you'd have a priest come in always trying to make a blood payment blood atonement here we go well now you have Jesus Christ stepping into the picture and saying no 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 you don't have to keep doing that so Hebrews chapter 5 speaks about him here comes Christ as a great high priest and now here we are in Hebrews chapter 9 it's referring to him as the mediator. He's making an arrangement between us and the heavenly father that nothing else could do. Are you following me? Yes or no? Will you be able to repeat everything I just said to a friend later today? Yes or no? No. Some of you are just honest. No. 
Okay, I just got that up front. I, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to it again. Um, all right. So here, I wasn't expecting that. That kind of threw me off a little bit. Um, makes me question my communication ability and everything else. Um, I'm just going to chalk it up to the fact that we're all cashews today. All right. The death of Jesus, though, is allowing for a new arrangement with God. Only he's qualified to do this. Jesus' payment on the cross has accomplished redemption for everybody. And we step into this because it says he is a new mediator of a covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Verse 16, for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. So I'm going to get, for where a will is involved. NLT says when someone leaves a will. So you know already if you have a last will and testament, for that to be paid out, guess what has to take place? The person who established that last will and covenant, they have to die. So a death had to occur. That's, what that, that, that's required for the fulfillment of a will or a testament. So a death had to occur. It also had to be done with blood, of course. This is, this is big. So now you're, hopefully you're going, oh, so the old covenant, that's why with the lambs and the bulls and the goats, they would pay a blood atoning sacrifice to pay for that. But the problem is they kept having to do it over and over and over again. But with Jesus, because not only is he the lamb of God, but he's the perfect lamb of God, it doesn't have to be, be done over and over again. Once and for all, say once for all. It's done. You see the difference? It's beautiful to think about. Every sacrifice for sin made in faith under the old law, the Mosaic law, was something that has now been paid for in full by the blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God. Jesus entered the throne room. Talked about that last week at the tabernacle. He entered into the throne room and he paid a price for something that only he could do. So for where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. It was established through the death of Jesus Christ. I'm just trying to connect all the dots for you. The more you understand this, the more you, I am convinced you will fall in love with the Heavenly Father. Verse 17, for a will takes effect only at death. Since it is not enforced as long as the one who made it is alive. And then step in, we talked about that. And then 18 and following. I'm going to read these first couple of verses here. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. We, we saw that payment over and over again. Verse 19. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop. And he sprinkled both the book itself and all the people. So here's this testament, this last will. It took effect upon the, the death. Jesus had to die for the testament, the covenant, the new covenant to take effect. Without shedding of blood, there is no remission. There is no removal without that very thing. It speaks about that remission here as well. And, you know, because some of, many of us think that we, we start to understand remission or a removal of something as time goes on. You ever heard time heals? Right? We're like, okay, the farther we get from something, the better off we'll be. We'll, we'll kind of forget. It won't have as much impact on our life. That's, that's not biblical, by the way. I, I, prayer for you today. 
is that we would actually start absorbing the new covenant because I believe that the majority of us still live by the old covenant. There's honesty for you. Because we think, hey, we have this this strain and a strenuous relationship. And so we're like, oh, well, hopefully in time that will heal. And sometimes time does help. I'm not saying that it can't help as you step away from the, the heart of a situation. And time can help without a doubt. But in the new covenant, we do experience something different. Some of us step into this and we think that over time, by if we're just good enough and if we're nice enough and then we just start ignoring everything in the past, then it'll kind of go away and we can enter into a, a decent relationship with someone again. It doesn't work that way according to the new covenant. The shedding of Jesus' blood is the only answer to humanity's problems. Verse 19, for when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took this blood and he made the sacrifices that he needed to make. And even the, what Moses used was symbolic. And it's really cool to think about. Like cedar wood, we know that when, when it talks about this. In verse 19, we know that cedar wood is resistant to decomposition, and that's symbolic of that he can't decay. We know that the, the red color here is reminding them with the scarlet of blood. Hyssop was used by the, the Hebrews to apply, apply blood over the, the, the lamppost or, or the, the door frames, I'm sorry, um, during the exodus and everything else. So they, they would apply that with hyssop. And all these things are symbolic, yes, but they were still, every one of them was still temporary. Right, the way we even process the blood of Jesus Christ, sometimes we're still living in the old covenant. We're, we're forgiving people on a temporary basis. Well, I forgive you for now. Well, you know, I know that you didn't mean to do that, so I'm going to forgive you for now. But, you know, in, a, in, in about a, a month and a half when they do something else, you certainly have a good way of reminding them. Well, yeah, but you've done that before. Do you know the majority of people I believe, I really do look at this, Right? I think we are requiring other people to live in an old covenant with us when we're claiming to live in a new covenant that we actually don't understand. We say that this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for us. We don't fully grasp what that means. And so in 22, it says this, and then I'm going to jump into 23 so that you can just follow along. So indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. So we know there's blood needed. And then it jumps into 23. I want us to look at this. It says, thus, blood is needed. Everybody say, blood is needed. needed. I I just want you to remember it. Blood is needed. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites. Blood is still going to be needed. That's what this is saying. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. So there's a better sacrifice needed to be able to step into a new covenant. The better sacrifice was in Christ because he's the perfect lamb of God. Your old sacrifices ain't going to work anymore. Goes back to a week ago. Not going to work anymore. You can't be a good enough person. You can't be decent enough. All these things come into play. So Christ has entered. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. So he's about to step in and do for us what we could not have done otherwise. 
Let's go to the next slide. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly. So here's another thing. They came into the, right? Make the sacrifice of atonement all the time. They would keep coming in every year. It's not to be repeated anymore. Once for all. Say it. Once for all. It's from last week, and it's in this passage. Once for all. We know it's done. So, right? So this is the thing. So do we not require people, when, when somebody comes into a relationship with us and they do us wrong, do we truly say once for all, it's done? Or do we hold on to that and we force them to repeat forgiveness? Do we force them to keep saying, I'm sorry, by reminding them, repeating it over and over and over again? That's old covenant. That's what I'm saying. Many of us really do not compute what it means to live in a new covenant with Jesus Christ. He doesn't have to keep doing it because here's the high priest, Hebrews chapter 5 as well. As the high priest, he enters the holy places every year with blood, not his own, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly. He doesn't keep going back to the throne room over and over again. He is the son of God. He went once, offered his blood. It is finished. Because he's the foundation of the world. He's been since the very beginning. And as it, but as it is, he has appeared once for all. Say once for all again. At the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And you go, wow. His ministry, he has this ministry of even reconciliation, of intercession for us. He defends us. The reason, can I tell you part of the reason that the gospel doesn't have this, this, um, I would say this, uh, this hold on people's heart the way it used to is because we actually don't think we make many mistakes. We don't think we have much sin in our life. And we hate acknowledging it. Friends, the more you hold on to thinking that you don't need help, the less celebration you will have when it comes to understanding the help that Christ has already given you. It's that simple. So if we keep going on this passage, it says, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, after, after death, right, you have no opportunity left. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. The first time Christ came, it was to forgive us of sins and to save us. The second time he comes, he ushers in salvation and the Heavenly Father like we've never comprehended before. Not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is a passage that we call out, this is a passage that we claim to understand, but I still think we struggle to live by. I want to make it really personal, because I know we all like it when I make things personal. And I'm going to make it personal for you. That's even more enjoyable for me. This is a very simple way to think about it. If you write down nothing else, type down nothing else, write this down. The blood of bulls covers, but the blood of Jesus removes. I'm going to unpack this. 
We often think that even in our relationships, even in the decisions we have to make, the way that we process life, the way we enter life, the way we walk through life, all these different things, we act as though the blood of bull covers, meaning the blood, the blood of goats, the blood of lambs, the blood of bulls, whatever it is, it covers the sin. That's the old covenant. And so people come to us, and we are always reminding them how they cheated us before, what did they did wrong, what they did wrong for us before. Well, that's living in the old. That's living in the old covenant. I, I, listen, if the world would start seeing a bunch of people who profess a new covenant and a freedom in Christ actually forgiving, actually living as, we li- as though we live in the new covenant, and say, no, no, I'm not reminding of you what you did previously wrong. I'm living in what I know God can do in you now. If they started to witness that, if they started to see that, I'm telling you, open the doors and let them flood in. We're claiming a promise of freedom with Christ, but living as a restriction of a continual payment for our wrongdoings in the old covenant. We're not matching our living with our profession. And when our life can start matching with the profession that we have in the freedom in Christ, things change. And we don't even allow other people to live according to the new covenant because we're constantly telling them how they screwed up in the past. And even for ourselves, this will make it real personal, many of us are living as though we're in the old covenant. We're always trying to prove ourselves. Anybody ever tried to prove themselves before? Raise your hand. That's all of you. Every single, just raise it a little bit higher. Make me feel better about my own mess up. Thank you. It's what we end up doing, and we're like, oh, i got to prove myself. i gotta, I got to dress a certain way. I have to play ball well enough. I have to make this amount of money. And we're always trying to prove yourself, not so that you can accomplish the will of God, so that you can feel better about yourself, if you're really honest. That's living according to the old covenant. We do it in the relationships that we're living in. We do it with our own self-deprecation, and we're always allowing Satan to speak into our hearts and to tell us how much of a failure we are. And we're always living in that, and we're not living in the freedom of Christ because we're like, well, if I could just do better with this, and it's over and over and over again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So can we please start acknowledging that we're still living according to a covenant that is no longer going to serve its purpose, but we do have a new covenant and the blood of Jesus Christ that claims victory. There's nothing more unattractive than somebody who claims the beauty of freedom in Christ but lives as slavery to their own sin. Are you hearing this? For the outside world, for your friends, for your family, there's nothing that is more unattractive than you claiming freedom and hope in Jesus Christ but living as a slave to Satan. the difference in the old covenant and the new covenant the blood of bulls covers but the blood of Jesus removes there is a very big difference because here comes something and all of a sudden storms come if it just covers the blood of bulls right it covers the storm comes and all of a sudden the rain's coming down and it washes it away and so every year what the priests do they come back and they pay another atoning sacrifice gotta do it again You're following me with the old and the new, right? I'm trying to help you understand it. But here comes a new covenant. You know what Jesus does is it's that whole eraser sound. He removes it. That was really good. Like, um, he removes it. It's not there anymore. Is that how you're living? Or are you living according to your own failures and, oh, woe is me. And I know I know Jesus, but, man... I still like to live as a victim, and I'm like, oh, man, come on. 
The blood of bulls covers. The blood of Jesus removes. Everybody say, the blood of Jesus removes. You got to get it. You got to get it. I want to give you some questions to start thinking about. And a lot of these questions, are going to, you're going to see it very similar. I'm, I'm saying a, a lot of the same thing with similar questions because everybody processes differently. You know, the longer I do this, the more I recognize how differently we all process and we, we all think. So I've got five questions for you to think about. First question is this. What in your life do you believe meets the requirements of your deepest needs? Like I'm telling you already, um, Jesus Christ met the requirements. He met what needed to happen for God, Right? for our sin to be paid for. He met the requirements, but we actually act as though other things do that. If we can have this and have this, and if we can have this, and if we can have this, and we can have this, we live as though other things meet our requirements. That they'll be my friend. If I can have this job, if I can have that title. Another question you could ask yourself is, what is tying you to the old covenant? What is the sin that you cannot get over, the insecurity or the failure? What is it? Acknowledge it. Give it to Christ. Another question is, have you embraced the new covenant? Have you embraced the new covenant or are you living in the old covenant? Another question for you is, do you allow others to live in the new covenant? I keep hitting this over and over, right? Because I had a time in my life, it was a long time ago, where I, I, I think I held things over people's heads. Like, and it just it created all kinds of hostility. I got angry about things. I'd get so bitter about things. Man, they, met, they, they, they just did me so wrong. I lost all my money because of them or whatever it is. And there's all kinds of life stories. And I'm like, man. And it's when I stepped into what Christ has done for me in a new covenant that all of a sudden all that went away. Because if you're living in the old covenant, guess what it creates? Drama. Anybody else hate drama? Say, I hate drama. I hate oh, man. Like, I'm serious. Oh. And some of you have lived in drama so much because you, you hold the old covenant over the heads of other people that you don't know how not to live in drama. You don't know how not to create a mess around you. He said and she said. Anybody, give me a hallelujah. You know what I'm talking about. Let's just make it personal. All about you right now. As long as it's not about me, don't poke anybody else. This is all about, we're all involved in this. This is what we do. We don't allow others to live in the new covenant because we're not living in the new covenant. And so we live with all this drama around us and, oh, what about this? Oh, you didn't approach this carefully enough. And, oh, well, yeah, but you know what you did last time with this. And, well, yeah, but, you know, I said I'm sorry and I'm trying to learn from that. I'm trying to grow from that. Well, yeah, but what am I going to live in the new covenant? Because my, my fear is that the people who profess it, the live in the new covenant, are actually holding the feet of those who are barely keeping, right? Imagine this right here being the level of water. And we got people drowning, and they're just doing everything they can to still breathe. And because we're still forcing them to live in the new covenant, we serve as a weight on their foot, pulling them down. And they're just doing everything they can to stay alive. Because we're not living in the new covenant. We have freedom in Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel. Freedom.
So we have to understand the principle of the new sacrifice. We had to have a sacrifice. Blood is required. But an imperfect lamb, an imperfect goat, an imperfect bull could not pay the price permanently. But the blood of the perfect lamb of God could. Jesus. He appears, he will appear a second time for salvation for all who place their faith in him. And this passage, it tells us very end here verse 28 it says so christ having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin but to save so first time he's dealing with sin now he's bringing in salvation Woo! to save those who are eagerly waiting for him you see friends if you're living according to the new covenant It changes your anticipation of Christ, not necessarily in your temporary life period, but you're eagerly waiting in anticipation for the salvation that Jesus brings in his return. It changes your posture. It changes your posture. It says very clearly, so, but to those, he's going to come back to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. It's called this, when you live according to the new covenant, it's this injection of joy, this injection of comfort, this injection of peace, this injection of grace and mercy and forgiveness that you simply could not do on your own. That's what it means to live in the new covenant because now you can't take that away from me. If you're living in the old covenant, I'm waiting to pay the cost again. I got to pay it again and my bank account's empty. I got to pay it again. There's nothing left. I don't have any more credit on the card, right? There's nothing left on that whatsoever. But Jesus Christ said, no, I already got you. I've already got you. Don't worry about it. If we're living in the new covenant, we're eagerly awaiting that with anticipation. And so your posture is what matters. Your spiritual posture, if that's what you're doing, living in the new covenant, it's different to everybody else around you. Right? You have this, this eagerness. It's funny. People are like, Joel, you're always like going, going, going. What says I should be eagerly awaiting? I think you should have less concern about me going like this and have more concern about you going like this. I w- I'm not going to do it anymore. I did it for too many years. I don't do it anymore. I'm not going to let someone else rob me from living in the victory of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Won't do it. Say, I won't do it. Our posture will speak to not only waiting, but it will speak to what we believe we're waiting for. The Son of God. Final question for you. It's just another way for you to think about it is this. Have you been rescued? 
right? Another, this, this frames, have you been rescued, frames this. Are you living in the old or the new? Like, you've got to, I need you to be honest about it. Can you all go talk about that with some friends and family later on? Are you actually living? Well, you keep reminding me every time we see each other, something I screwed up in the past, so I think you're living in the old. Now, some people, let me go ahead and tell you now, they ain't going to receive that real well. But you can do it with grace. It says let your gentleness be evident to all, so you can do it nicely. It's time to start living according to the new covenant. It's time to start embracing the freedom in Christ. To actually recognize that we have been rescued. Anybody here need to start living in the new covenant more than they have been in the past? Anybody? Anybody? Raise your hand. It's pretty much all of us. I used not. Just keep playing. I'm going to keep preaching. I, um, man, I used to give so much value to the words of people around me. And I still, I still hold on. It's like, I still remember in seminary, like my professor saying, you, should not, you shouldn't be a pastor. Like, it's like, ah. Oh. I still remember very specific things that people have spoken into my life that were not of Christ. I remember the mockering as a kid because I couldn't speak forever, right? And all these different things. I remember all the people who have made fun of me and said this and this and this. And I'm not saying I haven't made all those mistakes in my life, but I know this. There's victory in Jesus, and I'm not letting anybody else determine the fact that I'm living in the new covenant in Jesus Christ. Not doing it. Stop living in the old covenant. I want to pray for you, and you can't stop me. I'm going to ask that you stand as I pray for you. I want to pray for you, Scripture. It's a passage I absolutely love. 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 9. I invite you just to raise a hand, and I want to pray for you right now. Bow your head, whatever you have to do. This is what it says. It says, this is the message that we've heard from him. Father, this is the message that we've heard from you, that we have had proclaimed to us that, God, you are light, and in you there's no darkness at all. So, God, may we learn to live in the new covenant so that we don't live in the old covenant because we want to walk in you. May everybody in this place know what it is to have fellowship with you because we know that as long as we walk in darkness, we can't have fellowship with you. As long as we hold on to the old covenant, we lie to ourselves. It says that we don't practice truth when we hold on to the old. And so, God, help us to walk in the light as your son is the light. May we have fellowship with one another through the blood of Jesus, your son, because we know that his blood cleanses us from all sin. It doesn't simply cover, it cleanses, it removes. And may we acknowledge the sin that we have because you tell us that if we don't acknowledge it, we deceive ourselves that the truth cannot be in us. And so may we confess freely that you are faithful. You are faithful, God. So may we learn what it is to live in a new covenant and to live according to your love and your grace. 
wash over God. Cover God, anoint God, overwhelm God, these friends. As they learn to celebrate the greatness of who you are. To God be all glory. Amen.